You are listening to After Sunday, a Vintage Church NOLA podcast hosted by lead pastor Dustin Turner. After Sunday is focused on helping you live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church Monday through Saturday. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to After Sunday. My name is Dustin Turner, and I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. In the life of the church, Sundays are important, but not everything happens on Sunday. Life happens Monday through Saturday. So my hope is that this podcast inspires and equips you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. On this week's episode, I'm excited to be joined by Vintage Church's spiritual formation coordinator, Montre Wyatt, and our guest, De'Aaron Washington. Uh, I have Montre and De'Aaron with me today because Vintage Church is hosting our first ever formation conference on Saturday, May 28th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. The focus of the conference will be on how our stories impact our view of God. We have three speakers that day, Carrie Ann Pritchett, Montre Wyatt, De'Aaron Washington. We have a couple breakouts as well with our very own Christy Hagens, uh, who will be speaking to the women, and Dr. Jeff Nave, who's going to be speaking to the men. De'Aaron is with us because on the conference day, he is going to be discussing trauma in the church. And so I wanted him to come and kind of tease that out a little bit, give us a taste of what we're going to experience on May 28th. If you don't know De'Aaron, De'Aaron, he is a provisionally licensed counselor in the city of New Orleans. He's currently working on his PhD in counselor education and supervision at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, so I'm excited. Thanks for being here and uh, look forward to some of these questions Let's start by talking about trauma, because that's what you're going to be talking about. I feel like uh, in our day and age, trauma is kind of a loaded term. It means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So how would you define trauma, and what types of trauma are there? Yeah, so man, I'm glad to be here. And one of the things we think about trauma, so if you're not familiar with the counseling world, a lot of times we go to the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for like diagnosis, because it gives us kind of that criteria. And that book, it talks about trauma, and I can give you the long definition, but just for the sake of time, but also just to help us understand that, I think trauma is anything that is emotionally distressing, that overwhelms our internal systems and leaves us with psychological symptoms. Uh, now, that definition is not unique to me. It actually comes from a book called Principles of Trauma Treatment Guide by Breer and Scott. But I, I like the definition because it helps us understand that trauma is much more than just life-threatening events. That, man, you can experience trauma in a way of form of emotional abuse or psychological abuse or even just spiritual abuse. There are a lot of forms of, of abuse. Um, and even as we think about trauma and what types of trauma there are, I mean, we can think about the big types in the sense of like, man, life-threatening events like, man, near-death experiences. There's uh, natural disasters that happen. And so, but those are kind of those big things. But also just thinking about, man, acute traumas. A little, those, not so much, I want to say little, but just like we don't acknowledge as much like that emotional abuse. Well, maybe that's not this life-threatening event, but man, the child is in this home where mom and dad are just, man, putting them down like every day and just telling them, man, you're terrible, you're worthless. And that leaves that child with, uh, leaves that child with these psychological symptoms, but also in 
overwhelms their internal like resources, if you will, because like you think about it, that parents are the people that man help a child form and think about who they are. Um, so th- they're having these like negative experiences. But also, I would say that if we're going to think about just the church's definition, I think it's just that sense of man when we're being sinned against, when we're being sinned against, like man, that's trauma happens, and even just to broaden it out just a little bit more than like there when incidents happen where you are treated then less than somebody who's made in the image of god um i would say that that's a we can say man that that is what where trauma happens but yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i agree i kind of categorize trauma into three big categories so like the big t trauma like De'Aaron says of physical abuse sexual abuse natural disasters um for little t trauma that's going to be neglect bullying even divorce of your parents but then also I've added in developmental trauma. Um, earlier in the, in the podcast, you had Christy Hagens come on and you guys talked about attachment. Well, Adam Young, who has been the pioneer of attachment theory these days, he actually calls when a child does not get his big six, that's actually developmental trauma. So also as we think about trauma, I really want to say, even as we think about it, it's, it's used a lot. I would say also it's not used enough. Um, I say that just working with people and as I work with people and they tell me their story, they tell me what happens to them. And I'm like, man, that's a big event. And they'll be like, nah, that's just what happened. Like that's just, just yeah. what occurred. So I think it's essential. Like, even though it is this, this loaded term, it's used a lot, but I don't think it's used enough to turn to like label, like the experiences that people have. Um, but I mean, I, I'll just say this in a sense of like, man, I, I can tell you many stories where I, I was telling somebody about, they were, I was kind of summarizing their story. And they were like, whoa, that was pretty bad. That happened to me? But then for, and then to, to be like, man, that was actually a traumatic event for you. And how it lit up in their eyes to be like, whoa, I didn't know that happened to me. But even to the point like, man, it's relieving even to just have a turn for it because like it just, it just impacted them. It's really overwhelmed them. They talked about it like even to the point tears as they even just try to get close to that. But so I say that, man, with the trauma is used, but man, I don't know if it's used enough and even labeled enough as we think about the the ways that people are sinned against. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was just going to say that's uh, that's been kind of like my count, my own counseling journey, you know. And my counselor, I think, has helped me see like you. I think we downplay things just for survival. Mm-hmm. So it's like if we if it's not trauma and it's just you know things weren't that bad, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I can survive all of this. But if you feel like you're getting your arm cut off, it's like, I don't know if I can. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make it through all of this. Yeah. And I mean, even just going like, man, people minimize trauma for good reasons. Like they, they do it because like I, I have to minimize it because if I let this in and get closer to that, it's going to overwhelm me. And I can't do, get anything done. So even as people like minimize it, I'm, I hope you're not you're hearing me on this podcast say, I'm blaming you. No, I'm saying you have good reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. So... From your experience, because you're going to be talking about trauma at the conference, but you're going to be talking about trauma within the church, uh, which is not a fun topic, but it's a topic we've got to talk about Mm -hmm. and we've got to think about. Um, How prevalent is trauma in the church, and what does it typically look like? Yeah, I mean, and and I think just with Christians, a lot of times— Coming back to what I just said, it's like, man, sometimes we minimize it, and sometimes, like, we don't define it as, like, that bad. So, man, I've talked to people that are in the church, and, like, man, as I sat down with them, like, man, it's more prevalent than we know. Like, that, that these experiences that people have had, 
And what what does it look like? What does it look like? So that, that's a great question. And so one of the things, I mean, it may look like that person who is like really overzealous. It may look like that person who is like legalistic because what happens is, let me give you this example of like, man, let's just say you grew up in a home and you had to achieve every, you had to achieve and achieve was the way you earn approval. You earn love. And so they learned to achieve and achieve and achieve when man. And so when they didn't achieve, guess what? Mom and dad shamed them. And maybe even that led to like physical abuse. Like, so they take like this, what they've learned through like experiences and they bring them to the church. Mm. They read the books of the old Testament, like the laws. And they're like, I can do that. They follow, They try to follow those as strict as they can. There are people that, if you want to use counseling terminology, they want, they're in the black and white like thinking. Either you on the black side or you on the white side. Like There's no in-between. There's no gray. They will read books like Galatians and be like, okay, that's cool. Let me go back to James. <laughs> like it, it looks like that. But also that sense of like that, that person that has a hard time like seeing themselves as redeemed. Like they, they would look at the stories that they had. Like you think about Paul talks about people uh, like, man, some of you were, were drunk or some of you were, were lusting. Some of you were, were prideful. Like all of those, they would see that and be like, that's me. That's me. That's me. But it would be a hard time for them to say, and such were some of you. To see that, man, the Lord has really redeemed you and changed you. But, man, it'd be a hard time for them to see like, man, God actually wants me and loves me. Because going back and use just another example, let's just say you've experienced maybe some type of childhood like sexual abuse. And you start to develop this guilt and the shame and be like, man, I'm worthless. Like, man, I'm, I'm no good to God. So it's hard for them to see like, man, God died for me and has given me grace. So it's just, I'm just thinking about in church and just these like low hanging fruit. Like, man, it looks like that person that may be overzealous or look like that person who may like, man, be in deep down in this, in the valley of the shadow of death. And it's hard for them to come up and see the light. Okay. Yeah. I agree, and I think that is definitely the harsh reality of what trauma looks like in the church. Um, but I've also thought about the positive reality of what it looks like in the church. Um, a lot of people find the Lord in spite of their trauma and through their trauma. And so they find redemption in the gospel, knowing that God sees them, He's attuning to them, He wants to heal them and make them whole again, and that's how they find redemption in the Lord. And then those are the people that are passionate about God in the church. Those are the people that are um, always bragging on what the Lord can do, the power of prayer, the power of the gospel. And I think those are the most inspiring people in the church. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'll just, I'll just add this much. If you just talk about like that, to be like, man, so I grew up in the African-American church and people who have experienced not just, you know, individual trauma, but also like cultural traumas. Mm -hmm. But in the church, you can see like, man, that's the person that may be like, man, kneeling down, like really like grateful to God for what he's done and really understand his grace in a very like unique way. Because because once you have been like hurt so deeply, but know there's healing that's so complete, like it really changes you. And you're like, man, you may look at that person and be like, man, they're doing too much for God. And they're like, I'm not doing enough for them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the church, this is the thing that I think is unfortunate about trauma in the church, is that the church should be the place, like you were saying, Montre, where people who have experienced trauma find healing for their trauma, right? Because God wants to heal us. God wants to make us new. God wants to fix us. And I think that's the, uh, the unfortunate part, is that there are people that uh, create trauma, outside of the church 
and simply bring those habits and behaviors into the church to create trauma. And I think some of it is very intentional, Mm -hmm. but probably a lot of it is incredibly unintentional. Mm -hmm. Like this is just, this is just who I am. This is just how I've lived. This is just what I was raised to do. Yeah. And And so I'll I'll just add just quickly, because I'm just thinking about, so I was, trained in what's known as story-informed trauma therapy. And it talks about unprocessed trauma. Unprocessed trauma is reenacted in some cases. In a sense, like, it's it's unprocessed, so guess what? Like, you're going to live it out. You're going to do it. Like, that sense of there was a a situation where uh, Byron uh, was talking about that, man, this person was abused by a nurse uh, while they were in the hospital. Guess what happened? They married. Guess who they married? A nurse. Like, it's essentially like, man, unprocessed trauma is reenacted in some way sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I think a big, or at least what I see from experience and anecdotally, it seems like the church trauma causes people to doubt their faith, mm-hmm. leave the church, deconstruct their faith, leave the faith altogether. So how do people work through their church trauma without losing their faith in Jesus. Hmm. Andre, you want to take this one first? (laughs) Yeah, I can. Um, I think first recognize that um, it was wrong and also put yourself in a safe position. So if you're in an unhealthy church, if the trauma happened in that church, um, if the leaders are responsible for that trauma, getting into a safe place um, where... Um, you're heard, your story is heard, your story is honored, um, and then also find a place to find healing. So whether that's um, through um, faithful believers, whether that's through clinical professionals, getting to a safe place to find healing, um, but also holding tight to the fact that you have been redeemed by Christ, and he is also in the midst of your story despite the hardships. I think that's the first place I would start. Yeah, no, I think it's that piece of like, man, yes, getting the place of like, safety. And so I would say even for a person who has been hurt by the church, there are two things got to come to mind for me. It's like, one, man, you got to consider Jesus. Like, I, I think that, that may sound simple. It may sound like trite, but but it really is that sense of like, man, when I've been hurt by the church, because what happens is people think that, all right, this church perfectly represents Jesus when they don't. If they have hurt you, yeah. then they are not modeling like the love and care of our God. So I think it has to go back to like, really consider Jesus. So if, man, I've been hurt by the church, let me go back to the scriptures. Let me look at who is Jesus. What does he say is required? What does he say is good and helpful? And man, if that's good, then all right, man, let me, let me, let me lean into him and cling to him. But also it's that question like, man, I got to define what's a healthy church. Because if I've been in this situation and this church has hurt me over and over again, maybe this is not a healthy church. So it helps me to, to be like, man, yes, I've been hurt by this particular church, because this particular church was not helpful, from, was not helpful. They actually hurt me. So I think it comes back to like even being very clear about who is Jesus. And if he's good, he's worthy of me clinging to. Like, and then it, what's a healthy church? If this is a healthy church, let me go find a church where I can go, I can heal. A, clo- a church that gives me like this stability and a church that has right doctrine, that orthodoxy, but not just that right practice in a sense like orthopraxy like are they loving like those are very vulnerable like population are like doing this are they a missional church but also are they are they preaching uh the gospel faithfully so it goes back to like man i think that's how you 
you get hurt by the church, but you don't lose your faith. Hmm. You don't, you don't lose. And so even I would say it may be even a thing to go back to like church history, like to, to, to look at, man, what have my forefathers said about Jesus? Because that is something that can help you and even cling to. Like I'll use an example like Quigley, you know, if you know me, if you've been around me to, uh, for, you know, two seconds or something like that, I am going to quote like a hymn somehow, some way from, you know, the African-American church, because like, it's just this piece of like, man, the faith of the forefathers is something to help us understand that, man, our faith is our, is not new, but also helps us understand, man, this is what we've been believing for so long. This is how they saw that. This is how they did. This is how they were faithful. And this is what churches look like. So I think looking back at church history, looking at that, like, who Jesus is, how they saw him, how the, what the church is, how it functions, like helps me to see that, man, the church that hurt me, they do not represent Jesus. They were, they were in sin and they hurt me. And man, the faith of my forefathers, the faith that is in Jesus Christ is, is something that is valuable and worthy to clinging to, not just because like, ah, man, it gives me these benefits, but because like, man, Jesus is the bomb in Gilead who heals the sin sick soul. Yeah, and I think this this can be a little dangerous, but I think you've got to separate Jesus and the church just a bit. Not a lot, because they go together. And unfortunately, in our world, we're living in a world where, in a culture where people are like, I want Jesus, but I don't want the church. And you, I don't think that that's a biblical idea. You have to have both. Mm-hmm. Jesus is perfect. The church is to strive for perfection. But when it's consisting of a bunch of messed up, broken, hurting people, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and and you brought up church history and uh, forefathers, and I think that that's really important as well, because it's not just the faith delivered to us, but it's also the reality that from the very beginning, the church has been messed up. I mean, just look at the 12 disciples, Jesus is being crucified, and all but one have left him, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's the story in um, in uh, Galatians where Paul is like, Peter's acting a fool. Like, mm-hmm. he's doing this, he's doing that, right? there. And then there's countless other terrible stories. And, and I know that the danger, again, in all of that is uh, to use that as like, well, this is why we shouldn't be a Christian, but there's also probably more stories of the church actually doing what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Those just don't get the publicity yes. in history and even today on social media, right? That doesn't sell. So I think I also think that that's really important. It's like, yes, we are, to, we are to model, we are to emulate Jesus. The church will let you down. It's not going to be perfect. It should be striving to be like Jesus, mm-hmm. So um, let me let me ask you this, because I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on this. Uh, at what level of trauma is it safe and good for a person to stay at the church where they've experienced that trauma? Where it's like you know, the better, the, the, the more healthy thing right now is to stay and work through that trauma. I'm not saying that that's every scenario. I get that it's not. And when it's really unhealthy, it's like, we need to go find somewhere else where we can heal. But I don't know, what's that line where it's like, you should stay. And and if the church leaders or the person that's 
uh, traumatized you has a humble spirit. They want to work through it. What do you do next? Well, I think it would depend on the trauma that we're talking about. Sure. Because if we're talking about um, just a disagreement, we're talking about um, conflict relationally, definitely try to work those out just as fast as you can um, wrestling with the with the leadership. Um, but if we're talking about something that's triggering to a, someone's own personal story of trauma, then I'd, I'd encourage them to definitely just go seek out reconciliation with the leadership um, just telling the truth of your experience and how you interpreted um, the things that they said and they are a humble leader they're going to willingly listen to how they have harmed you unintentionally mm-hmm. and try to rebuild from there but I don't imagine if there is any of the big T trauma going on from the leadership into a partner or a member's life that that person's yeah. healthiest choice is to stay sure Things like sexual trauma, abuse, those would be really difficult and mm-hmm. probably not helpful mm-hmm. to stay through. Yeah, and I would also say, like, the factor is just thinking about that to be like, how are the lead? Like, for me, I'm thinking, like, dude, this is a church discipline like thing in a sense of like, mm-hmm. that, all right, I'm gonna go to this brother or sister and like, we're gonna talk about it and like, all right, are they responding? Are there, is there repentance that happens from there? Then I'm gonna bring two or three people like with me from there. Like, and then I'm going, like, I, I think that's the level that I'm just thinking about. Like, man, yeah, it is. If there's this big T trauma, yeah, that may be too, that's overwhelming. That's, that may be too sure. much. But these, these maybe little T traumas, like, I would say it, it go through, like, the stage of, like, church discipline and seeing, like, man, is there humility and repentance? And I think that determines whether that person, I, I think it may be the better option for that person to stay. Because if there's a point where, like, yes, this person has hurt me, but this person is coming try to walk in repentance, show me humility, then, okay, maybe there's 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 an opportunity to repair there. But if I'm going to them, two or three people is going to them, and the leaders have, go, have gone to them, and, all right, that, that's in the hand of the church or the church discipline thing at that point. But if there's still just no repentance, or even maybe I'm thinking about even if the leaders are like, you know, that's that's not a big deal. Like, that, we, we don't feel like that's, that is is important. Like, that may be a sign of, like, all right, that's another layer to kind of take consideration. Like, it's the healthiest thing for me to kind of stay or, like, leave here. Yeah, and I think it's important. It's interesting that you bring, like, church discipline into that, but I think that's misconstrued, right, in that church discipline is really restoration mm-hmm. of anyone. And so I think that's really important in this as well. Is like all we're trying to do is do what the gospel is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Restore us personally, restore us uh, relationally, corporately, uh, whatnot. So, okay. Um, so, honestly, I this is a selfish question, and so, <laughs> but I just wanted to hear what you guys thought. Um, how can church leaders like me prevent trauma and foster a better church community? Yeah, so... I think as we think about church leaders, so I'm gonna put more work on you, Dustin. Thank you uh, for this. But I think it also like starts with starts with doctrine in a sense of like, man, how do I talk about sin? And then I think it's also like this: how do I talk about sin, and how do I talk about being like sinned against? Mm-hmm. I think it, if I can lay the foundation for there to like my congregation can digest that that they can talk, they can say, hey, we live in a fallen and broken world, and because we live in a fallen and broken world. Many of you in here may have been sinned against, and that is not okay. 
Mm-hmm. That's not great. And man, you've experienced like traumatic events. So I think it's just even framing it up and how we kind of talk about that and talk about our doctrine of sin, like in sermons. But also I think like churches and church leaders build relationships with uh, trauma counselors. Um, I think that that's a, that's a helpful piece there to be like, man, if I do have this person and man, they were just very overwhelmed. They told me their story and it seemed like it's in process, man, maybe this is an opportunity. Hey, I know this person right here and you can go talk to them. You can go talk to them and like, man, I think they can kind of help, help you in this. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, there's one thing, but also I think like, you know, there's opportunity for small well, reading groups. We're thinking about books like, um, how the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. Like and how it talks about trauma and how like man yes our minds may not be able to like get there but our bodies remember it and helping people conceptualize that because I think even as we understand because churches going back to doctrine again to not become uh, very nasty to not be like let's just focus on the spiritual and let's not sure. think about the body uh, so I think that that's a piece too but also like thinking about man if can I have somebody to come in and kind of talk about. Uh, trauma and talk about what this looked like and and with the knowledge that that may be with the knowledge that man that may bring up some stuff for people would be like man i heard the speaker and like man i just realized yeah i had some terrible things can happen in life um but even to the point i think another thing is like uh trust-based relational intervention so tbri i think just having members trained in that it's just helpful because like it's it's more for like kids who've experienced trauma but they have like some principles i think that are adaptable to like adults uh, but also, you guys talked about attachment with uh, Christy Hagen, so you go you go back to that, and I think that'd be a good place to start and kind of think about too. But I think TBRIs is is attachment based, but those are things I think like as members or even just uh, leaders are trying to like help their churches to be more equipped to kind of handle this. Like I think those are just quick things right there that just help when they're yeah there are other books and different things I can mention like you know mending the soul kind of talks about um, trauma and talk about trauma in a way, uh, but. Yeah, it also depends on what type of trauma because there's so many uh, different types. But anyway, those are just quick things. <laughs> quick note before I forget. I'm curious if the trust-based relational intervention, is that what it was, would mm-hmm. be helpful for our V-group leaders. Absolutely. Something um, to consider. Absolutely. You were going to, sorry, I cut you off. You were going to say something. <laughs> but I wanted to get it out there before I forgot it. Yeah, now it's recorded. Well, I'll remember. There you go. <laughs> I know, you're accountable now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would I would recommend three practical things for, for leaders. And I think the first thing would be to recognize when you yourself have caused harm to someone with your words or your deeds. And I think that just involves asking for feedback from others. Like, what was it like to hear me say those things? Um, what have you noticed about my character here lately? Um, how have I harmed you in any way uh, in the past six months? Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I think always be willing to listen and empathize when someone shares with you. Um, A lot of times it can be pretty embarrassing or kind of put us in our downstairs brain when someone comes up and they say, you hurt me and I don't like the way you're doing this. But if we take the position of humility to just listen, receive, and try to build from there, that's always going to be a much better outcome than if we lash on them and say, you don't understand, this is what I meant, you know. Yeah, reactionary. Um, Yeah, so please empathize with with what they're saying. And the third thing, I think, is to make it clear... um, then when something does happen, you as a church leader will hold the, the responsible parties accountable. So that action will be taken um, and people will be put, you know, in positions where um, this wouldn't happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, I, add one, can I add one thing? Also, mm-hmm. I think leaders is, Montre's kind of saying that, just reminded me, like, 
I think the most humanizing thing we can say to people when they've experienced trauma is I believe you. Mm. And I, so I think even as we think about, man, maybe this person comes up to us and they share like their story, they share like, even to the point of like, man, what's happened for them? I think the most humanizing thing sometimes is to say like, I believe you and I want to hear you. And even to the point of they're bringing up something about you personally, like, see, hey, let me, let me try that on. Let me see does it fit. Because at the end of the day, we got to realize no matter who we are as leaders, we are sinful and fallen individuals and are, we may, we may harm people, we may hurt people. And that's just part of what the Bible teaches us. We are not Christ. We're not perfect. But so summarize, um, believing, but also even to the point of people come to you like, man, let me try that on first. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of that necessitates creating a culture and environment of like humility uh, a culture environment of like, um, I don't know the word for it, but inviting feedback, um, a culture and environment of repentance. And um, because I think part of like everything that you guys are talking about is you've got to feel comfortable enough to be willing to go to somebody and say, you did this to me. Yes. Right. Um, which is hard enough. Like that's, that's hard enough mm. to do. And so I think that's kind of like undergirding all of this because we probably live in these, a lot of us, I think, live in these environments, whether it's a church or a business or even a family, where that's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. You know, I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about uh, one of the, uh, he's a pastor and he was like, um, you know, what, what's the problem? Why are there so many scandals? What's all of this? What's what, like, what's underlying all of these things? And he said it was power. He said it's all about power. And he said the difference is uh, between like how society s says we should handle power and how Jesus says we should mm -hmm. handle power. You know, so he talked about this idea of giving and taking. Society says power is about taking. Mm -hmm. But he said Jesus was in his power was always about giving. And I think that's part of that, right, is that uh, it's the it's the thing that you just said about like saying I believe you, mm -hmm. right? I think yeah. taking is like, I don't believe that. Yeah, giving is like you might not believe it, but you're at least willing to give them the benefit mm -hmm. of the doubt to say, I believe you. Let's keep talking about it. Um, so it goes. I think it goes back to like what a lot of what you've already said, Darren. Is just like consider Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Consider Jesus. Yeah. You know? And so even to the point, even as you, you're saying it, Dustin, I just remember something like, uh, as you think about cultivating that environment of like humility and being openness to feedback, I mean, it also just requires an environment of, of confession of sin too. Mm. Like I will tell you, I, when I started going to the church that I go to, like the most striking thing was that the pastor like confessed sin in front of like everybody. Like I was like, whoa. Like in my mind, I'm just like, pastors don't do stuff like that. Like they supposed to be the holy ones. But for but to see him like confess sin, like I mean that that opens a lane of saying, like, man, he's a sinner just like us. He's just trying to be faithful just like us. But I think it it builds like this environment of like confessing sin is okay. Mm -hmm. Like, man, we have the we have the potential and we have the ability to sin against others and and yeah, just to, as we think about man, as you think about confession, confession is not a great, you it don't feel great all the time because you're like, I got to admit how messed up I am. But yeah, so confession, like, but it, it requires humility because you got to come and say like, I am sinful. I need forgiveness. I've, I messed up this week. But I think that like produces that fruit. Like, man, if, a, if people see more of that, 
they can come to be like, man, my pastor's just a person like everybody. My, that, my V group leader is just a person just like everybody else. Like, man, I can I can go to them and like tell them about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last question, and we've talked a little bit about this, but maybe you guys want to add something. Um, if someone has experienced trauma in the church, what should they do next? I think it goes back to, yeah, like we said before, recognizing that those people inflicting trauma aren't accurate depictions of who Jesus really is and what Jesus really wants. Um, And to find a safe place full of people that are willing to listen um, to your story and equip you and that are healthy. Um, So that if that's a healthy church, if that's a healthy um, friend group of believers, clinical professionals, um, put yourself in a position to find good healing um, and a safe place. Okay. Yeah. And can I, I want to add this in your sense of like, as you think about, man, if I've experienced this in the church, this is not common to just like church trauma, but also just trauma in general. I play like, you did not earn it. <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think a person, when, if they come to the point like, man, I've experienced this out of church, I need them to hear like, you didn't earn that. Yeah. And, and I think a framework I use, uh, to like help people kind of understand, understand that is like, you know, unearned suffering and, um, unearned suffering is redemptive, like is usually a thing uh, attributed to like Martin Luther King, but I think it, it's just helpful to kind of understand, man, there, there is unearned suffering like in this world. So I think for them, like acknowledging, I right, man, there is like unearned surf- suffering here. They're mm-hmm. like, man, you experienced this and you didn't deserve it. So I, I would say that's a piece, but also I think about, all right, if I realize, man, this has happened to me, like, man, let me, let me go to, let me go to a church leader. Man, I, I, I am an advocate for, like, pastors. I'm an advocate for, like, church leaders because I'm like, man, they are uniquely gifted. God has given them this calling to help and walk beside people. But I'm also going to say, like, if they realize, man, this is a point that, man, I've experienced something that has overwhelmed my internal system and left me with psychological symptoms, then, all right, maybe this is time for me to reach out to a trauma therapist um, to kind of work with me and kind of walk me through this and even help me understand and make more sense of what kind of, happen to me and pursue like healing um so i would say that and then i would say man you go to your church lead but also man you have small group you have people around you because i would say don't try to carry this by yourself Mm -hmm. don't try to hold on to this by yourself because if you hold on to it by yourself it's going to continue to overwhelm you're going to continue to be triggered and you continue to be left feeling lonely you're going to continue to left feeling like grieved about this and have no nobody to go to, nothing to have, and it just stays with you. And then I want to say this piece, too, just because I'm, you know, I like Jesus. Uh, it's like, it's an opportunity even just to go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I was just reminding, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs are bad. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often fall with. Oh, what new, needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So I'm just saying, like, you There's have a great... Yeah, there it is. You get, but you it was coming. It was coming. But you got this great friend in Jesus who will never be overwhelmed by any situation that you will face. And I will tell you, if you read the Bible, you learn that there are some people who've experienced some very hard and difficult things, and God never looked at them and said, "You know what? That's too much for my power. I I can't I can't do nothing with that." But you see Him as a God being loving, being caring. So even in the midst of I realize, man, I experienced inside of a church. Consider Jesus again. Like, he is worthy, he's good, and he still loves you in this because you didn't deserve what happened to you. Mm. Yeah, and I think in considering Jesus is also remembering he went through what we have gone through. Mm. Jesus experienced trauma. Mm. Like, I mean, if those last few days, if those last few hours of his life were not traumatic, then I'm not sure exactly what trauma is. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, so even as you think about, man, we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize right. with us. Like, and, you know, I'm trying not to preach going into this thing, just thinking about, you know, because we think <laughs> about just the cross and how, like, man, yes, he's experienced, like, excruciating pain, mm-hmm. not just physical pain, but also enduring the wrath of God. Like, that is a lot for him who knew no sin. For him who yep. had never experienced, like, pain or suffering, stepped into, like, this world to be beaten. Mm-hmm. But not just beaten, also, like, crown of thorns, whipped, pierced in the side. Like, he experienced all this. He knows what pain is like. So, yes, it is essentially, like, considering yep. that. And that's un, that's the unearned yep. that you're talking about. Like, Jesus did not earn that. Yes. No, he didn't. So, it's essentially, like, man, to understand, yes, we have a Savior who is who knows what trauma is like. And so even as you go to him as his good friend, it'd be like he's not gonna be like, "Whoa, that's new!" I'm like well, you, did, all that happened to you, but he's he's gonna be like, "Yeah, I I get it, and I'm here for you. I'll still never leave you, nor forsake you. There's nothing that can separate you from my love. Nothing, no angels, no principalities. Nothing can separate from my love. Nothing can take you out of my hand." Um, so yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Uh, I think uh, just getting a taste of of this from you is I'm excited about uh, May 28th. I do want to remind you all about that formation conference on on May 28th, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're providing breakfast, right, Montre? We are, and snacks throughout the day. And snacks. Mm. (laughs) So it's $10, um, and we're providing that breakfast. I'll put a link in the show notes to the registration where you can register online and you can uh, join us. If you're enjoying this content and you find it helpful, please subscribe to stay up to date. You can leave a review and you can share it with your friends. My desire is what we share with you here will equip and inspire you to live the gospel, serve the city, and be the church after Sunday. Thanks for listening to After Sunday. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show, leave us a review, and share it with others. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Vintage Church, check out VintageChurchMovement.com.